We're going to get started today in our first session. We're going to finish up what we started last week. And we're talking about the framing and skeletal system of being born again. And we went into, I'm going to just do a quick review. Amy says I always review too long, so I won't do it too long. But we're going to try it anyway. Moses and the law, Deuteronomy 17.6. Moses established here that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is to be established. <clears throat> he said, uh, any, at any witnesses, two or three, that one that would be convicted would be worthy to be put to death. But out of the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. So they were setting a precedent here of two or three. Jesus and church resolution was talking about this in Matthew 18, 15, and 16. He said, if a brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him. If he shall not hear thee, or if he shall hear thee, the house gained a brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So here Jesus picks up what Moses had talked about in the law. Paul, in church order in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 13, 1, he said, this is the third time I am coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so this, we, this is leading us to the point that you cannot build a doctrine on just one scripture alone. There has to be a continuation of scriptures. There has to be a thread of scriptures. And Proverbs 23, 2, if you are a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Lord knows most of us that are big eaters do not want to have this to be a doctrine. All right? We would like to continue to live and eat, feast and believe. You fast to last and you feast and believe. And so this is one of the scriptures where you wouldn't want to build a doctrine on. 1 Timothy 5.23, drink, uh, don't drink water, only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Paul was talking to Timothy here about the situation of the quality of water in New Testament times. But we're not going to build a doctrine and say, okay, we just need to drink wine every day. Some people can handle wine. Some people can't handle wine. You don't want to do that with an addictive personality. John 7, 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. So doctrine is teaching. Amplified says, My teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. And so doctrine, what is doctrine? We talked about it. It is instruction, the act or the matter. The dake is the, I think that don't have Brandon here to help me pronounce my Greek today. And, but it is teaching. Doctrine is teaching. It comes from the word didasko, which means to learn, to teach in the same broad application, to learn or to teach. Those uh, words up here, or those numbers, NT 1321, that's what if you have a strong concordance and you would like to see that for yourself, that's the number in Strong's concordance. 
And so this is the structure of the house. Every house has a structure to it. This is basically what I'm referring to. Just like the gospel, just like the, what we preach and believe, it has structure to it. And so this is what holds everything together. This is the bones of it all. Let's talk about bones, the human skeletal system. If we didn't have bones, we would all just be globs of jellyfish. Okay? So we have bones, 206 bones, and then the cartilage and the ligaments and the muscles and the skin and the organs and the arteries and the veins all attach and run through and run around on this skeletal system. This is what holds our bodies up. This is what makes us stand up. Okay? And this is what makes us walk. So we have this skeletal system that our body, the tissue and the ligaments and the cartilage and the skin and all of that attached itself to and now we have a human being but there is a structure underneath all of that all right so there you go there's a structure under there when you die and after you've been in the grave I don't know six or seven thousand years you know your skin and your ligaments and your organs are all going to be going back to dirt we're just glorified mud balls. Hi, Timmy. Hi. Hi. So we're just glorified mud balls, and all that will be left eventually is our skeletal system, our structure. Okay. The framing and skeletal system of being born again. Let's talk about that. That's where we want to get to today. Jesus said in John 3, 7, Marvel not, do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew from above so we must have a new birth from above this birth down here is not going to fulfill the scripture of being born from above we all must be born from above amplifies starts it out like this in John 3 1 now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler a leader and authority among the Jews who came to Jesus at night and said to him rabbi we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born anew, again, born again, anew from above, he cannot ever see, know, or be acquainted with, or experience and experience the kingdom of God so Jesus is talking about a new birth here Nicodemus is thinking about the natural birth when he responds in verse 4 here of John 3 he says to him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter his mother's womb again and be born so Nicodemus is thinking about the natural birth and Jesus is talking about a total opposite ideology here he's talking about a total different birth when he says no I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. What is born of or from the flesh is flesh. Of the physical is physical. So he says, whatever is flesh is flesh. Whatever is physical is physical. So I'm telling you, what is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he's, he's putting a dividing here. And he's saying, 
you have the natural birth, Nicodemus. You have your natural body. You're living your natural life. But the Lord, the kingdom of heaven, is a spiritual kingdom. And this spiritual kingdom is where I want you to transpose over to. I want you to be born into this spiritual kingdom. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He said, marvel not, do not be surprised and astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew from above. So that's where we, that's your review. See, that was in less than 10 minutes. Nine-minute review. And that brings us to where we're going to pick up today, and we'll finish this part today. Two elements of being born again. Two elements of being born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, we had already read it. First thing is, unless a man is born of water. Number two, and even the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said, John 3, 3. So the question today is this. Do we have two or three witnesses to verify this? Remember, we talked about two or three witnesses started out in Deuteronomy with Moses. Then Jesus, during church uh, authority and church resolution, said two or three witnesses. Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians 13. When I came to you, I'm going to have two or three witnesses. Every word is going to be established. So we have to have two or three witnesses. So we're going to ask the question about this that we're talking about today. Witness number one is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We all know this, don't we? This is a good scripture. It's the New Living Translation that we're going to read it in. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. So we're looking at and we're talking about the Spirit here in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the Jews. The crowd and the, the, the group of people that is in in attendance here in Acts chapter 2 are the Jews they received the spirit birth on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem now Pentecost was a feast from the Old Testament it is a gathering of, of the harvest and you bring together the fruits from everywhere and there were men from every nation there were 17 nationalities listed in Acts chapter 2 that were present in Jerusalem that day when the Holy Ghost fell. Why was that? Because God is exposing the whole world to this new birth experience right here, right now. All of them in the upper room who received the Holy Ghost, there were 120, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. She got the Holy Ghost. All of them received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. And everyone that had came from different countries and different nationalities, every one of them understood what some of those were saying in their own language. That's how God does it. He's, a, he's our advertising. That's how he does advertising. He knows how he does a good job at advertising. So this is the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. 
those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So 3,000 are baptized. 120 received the Holy Ghost in the upper room, that spirit. 3,000 by the end of the day are getting baptized in water. Water and spirit, see it? So the Jews received the water birth on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Witness number two. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, New Living. But now the people believe Philip's message of God, of good news, I'm sorry. Now the people, let's do it again. Now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. So we are talking to a different social group of people here now. The Samaritans, that's who we're talking to. They receive here in what we just read, the water birth. They receive the water birth as Philip is preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. Okay? Philip was an evangelist. It's never mentioned where Philip went and pastored a church, but he was traveling around preaching. So they received the water birth there in Acts chapter 8. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. All right? There's going to be a common th uh, thread here in all of these instances, and it's going to be there's going to be a common guy, a common character in all of these experiences. You know who it is? It's Peter. Peter's the common guy. The reason Peter is the common guy is because the Lord designated him to do that. And that goes back to Matthew chapter 16. If you go back to Matthew chapter 16, they're all sitting around one night, and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Whom do men say I am? Who, the, who, who am I? And they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias, Isaiah, one of the prophets, Jeremiah, somebody like that. And Jesus looks at him and says, But who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately interrupts him and he says, You are the Christ the son of the living God. Now Jesus, Jesus liked Peter. Peter was loud and he was proud. He was bodacious. He was tenacious. Living out there in spacious. What, so Jesus liked that. And you know what, what Jesus liked about this is guess what? The Lord uses everybody some way in the kingdom. Now watch, now watch this advertising, Alex. Watch this. The Lord uses everybody in the kingdom, no matter their personality. And he knew that Peter would be the perfect fit to preach the first message on the day of Pentecost because of his personality. He was loud and he was proud. 
So he was already working on Peter. Paul was a hardhead. Paul was very, um, very hard. He was very orderly. He was, by the way, he was a Pharisee. You know, Peter was not a Pharisee. He was just a, fi a fisherman with a bad mouth. He was a typical sailor. I'll never forget one time that uh, the apartments we needed some work done, and the electrician came up, and me and the guy who owned the apartment, we were there, and we're in our late twenties, early thirties, and when the, my, the when the electrician was there, he was he was fixing it, but I'm telling you, he was dropping he was dropping all kinds of stuff, f bombs and. When he left, we're like, oh, he was definitely in the Navy. We knew that. So Peter also had these problems. So what I'm saying is this. It doesn't matter what your personality is because every personality has strengths and every personality has weaknesses. That's why everyone can be used in the kingdom because God has a special place for your personality and for your disposition. That's why you need to come to the find your personality thing Sep or not September, February 4th, 5th, and 6th. You see how I did that, Alice? That was so smooth, wasn't it? Yeah. So, there you go. And find out what your personality is. Find out why some of you just like rainy days and you like to pull the curtains closed or open up and look at that rainy day and read a book all day. All you want to do is read a book on a rainy day. You like dull, dreary, overcast, cloudy days. Others of you just like sunshine, bright sunshine all the time because that's where you're at. And then there are other people who, other people, other people get under their skin because of our personality. All right, we better go on. So Peter, the Lord says, I'm giving you the keys, Peter. And these keys are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And you will find that Peter unlocks the gospel for the Jews in Acts 2. He unlocks the gospel and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8 for the Samaritans and then he's going to do it in Acts chapter 10 for the Gentiles because Peter had the keys. The most powerful guy on campus is the guy that has the keys. So usually the janitor is the most powerful man around. Not the CEO. Not the boss. The boss can't get you into everywhere. But guess what? The janitor can get you into every room because he has the keys. So the Lord gives Peter the keys to the Holy Ghost closet, and Peter is unlocking the door. There it is. Okay, so the Samaritans received the spirit birth. So they have received the water birth. They have received the spirit birth. Let us continue. They received that born-again message, just like the Jews did at Pentecost. The Jews received the Holy Ghost, two, Acts 2, 1 through 4. Acts 2, 41, they were baptized. Spirit and water. Here, it was water and spirit that they received. It doesn't matter. Some people get the Holy Ghost first and then get baptized. Some people get baptized and then get the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. It happened both ways in Scripture. Witness number three. So we're already on our third witness. What are we establishing here? A doctrine. We're establishing a doctrine here. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter 
were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now for those of you who caught this and who didn't catch it, let me do this. If you go to Acts chapter 8, it does not say that the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. It just says that Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. But there had to be an outward sign of them receiving the Holy Ghost because Simon the sorcerer was there and he saw them receive the Holy Ghost and he said, I want this too. Okay, just for those. So if anybody tries to trick you up and they say, well, it doesn't say that the Samaritans spoke in tongues. No, it does not say that, but there was a definite sign because it was witnessed by those around that a different, something different had taken place. But in Acts 2, the Jews spoke in tongues. Acts 10, they spoke in tongues, and they were praising God. The Gentiles received the spirit birth. So we have the Gentiles now receiving the spirit birth. You had three social groups here in biblical times. You had the Jews. You had the Samaritans, and you had the Gentiles. Most all of us in here are Gentiles. Now, a Samaritan was in trouble. They were half Jew and half Gentile. And a lot of the Jews hated them, and a lot of the Gentiles hated them. That wasn't very nice. So we had, we had racial situations, even in the Scriptures. We had problems there. Okay? So you have Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, and now we're looking at the Gentiles that have received the spirit birth as well. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Gentiles also receive the water birth we got this thread now this thread is moving all the way through the book of Acts if you want to know how and what the book of Acts church preached and believed you're going to find it in the book of Acts now they're going to preach and believe in the book of Acts what Jesus taught the disciples in the gospels while he was with them on earth so you want to know what Jesus taught them, you're going to find it coming to pass and being manifested in the book of Acts. that makes sense? Yes? Okay. Any, any questions? Any questions? I got my holster here. Huh? Okay. All right. The Gentiles received the born-again message in Cornelius' house. Witness number four. Cornelius is witness number four, so God's outdoing himself. He's going for four witnesses. Acts chapter 19. Oh, let me go back to Cornelius. Cornelius was Italian. There you go, Bernie. So the Italians were the first nationality to receive, the first ethnicity to receive the Holy Ghost. Why was that? Because Rome was in charge of the land of Palestine. And so you have Roman centurions. So Cornelius was part of the Italian band there, and he gets the Holy Ghost and all those in his house. 
We're going to Acts chapter 19, and this is uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus and on the coast where he found several believers. Now he's, going to, he's encountered these believers here, and they're men from Ephesus. Ephesus was a port town. It was a very large town. It was, they say that um, it, it was hundreds of thousands of people. And this is going to be the beginning of the church in Ephesus. Anybody ever heard of the book of Ephesians? That is the letter of instruction from Paul written back to these people in Ephesus. All of those epistles, the Roman book of Romans, was a letter to the Jews in Rome who were believers. First and second Corinthians were letters from Paul to the believers in Corinth, which is the, the city of Corinth in Greece. Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians, same thing. Letters from Paul to the church at Thessalonica. That church, that town is now not called Thessalonica, it's called Thessaloniki. All right, I've been in Thessaloniki. It's a port, it's a it's a coastal town in the northern coast of Greece. And those first and second Thessalonians were letters written back to them. The uh, Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. Colossians to the church at Colossae. What's another one? Any more city cities? Huh? Philippians to the church at Philippi. Philippi and Thessaloniki is not far from each other at all. And Philippi, I've been to Philippi. I have actually seen the foundation of the prison where Paul and Silas were held. It is in northern Greece as well. So then you have letters that Paul sent to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. Those were his sons in the gospel. A letter to Philemon. Philemon. Then there's Titus. Was there any others? Titus, Philemon, Timothy. So that's, that's what you're looking at. All of these churches were established in the book of Acts. And all of those letters from Paul are written back to those churches as letters of instruction as they're growing along. So like, it'd be like us if, if, um, I have, if I had left here and 10 years from now I write a letter calling it, I write you three letters. First Vandalia, second Vandalia, third Vandalia. You know, kind of like that. Does that make the picture any better? Yeah, all right. So we're in Corinth, we're in Ephesus. Do you, did you receive? Now, they were believers, okay? On the coast, where, where he found several believers. Now, guess what? You can be a believer and not have received the Holy Ghost. This scripture here proves it right here. Some people that I talk to about receiving the Holy Ghost, they get all mad at me. I don't know why anybody would get mad at me. I am so nice. I am so kind. Johnny, you've never got mad at me, have you? All right, never mind. Wow. Huh? Oh, well, you could have said that a little sooner. You're making me nervous. Okay, but some people will get mad at me because you say, 
have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they say, no, I haven't done that. I, or yes, I've received it, but I haven't spoken in tongues. Well, okay, look. Look, the only way that you're going to get it, according to Scripture, is they're going to be speaking in tongues associated with this. And then they get all mad and say, so are you saying I'm not a believer? No, you are a believer. People who repent and, and take the Lord as their Lord and Savior and, and read the Scriptures and try to, to avoid the things of this world and walk according to the Scriptures, they're believers. But there's also a power that the Lord wants to give them. So Paul says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, no, we haven't ever heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So these guys, there's going to be 12 of them, they have not even heard about the Holy Spirit. So Paul says this, then what baptism did you experience? What baptism did you experience? Because you know there's a baptism by water and there's a baptism by the Spirit. He says, they said the baptism of John. The baptism of John's, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So as soon as they realized, and it is not wrong to get rebaptized. Okay? It is not wrong to get rebaptized. These elders they were men they were believers maybe they had a, a home church maybe you know maybe they were meeting in someone's home and these were elders here they were older men they were men of uh of wisdom and men of knowledge and so they could have been in the position of guiding that little group of believers that they were with they got rebaptized as soon as paul said to them the baptism of John saying that you are to believe on Jesus which was to come. That's John the Baptist's baptism. But he said there's something else here now and he explained to them that Jesus had fulfilled that and then they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these elders of Ephesus received the water birth. Remember, two elements to this water birth or to the new birth is water and spirit. Then, look here, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So these men, Paul lays his hand on them. That's where we get in the scriptures. There's several scriptures in the Word of God. It talks about laying on of hands. In James, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church will pray for the sick, anoint them with oil. That's how we get those scriptures. That's how, why we do prayer lines. In Acts chapter, what is it? Is it 11 or 12 where they take the aprons and the handkerchiefs from the body of Paul? And those aprons and handkerchiefs are sent out and diseases disappear and demons flee just from a little cloth from, from a, an apostle that's pretty powerful that's why we do that so we're trying here to do what the scriptures tell us to do amen amen and sometimes we make people mad sometimes so the <laughs> the elders of Ephesus received the spirit birth 
So you got water and spirit. So we have seen all of that going and coming here. So in summary, we have the Jews in Acts chapter 2. They have experienced water and spirit. We have the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. Water and spirit. We have the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Water and spirit. And we have the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 19 experience water and spirit. There it is. It's just that simple. But today, everybody wants to take you, to, let's go to YouTube and watch this guy. Let's go, well, I have this book in my library written by so-and-so that says this, is, this isn't right. Let's just keep it simple. Stick in the Word. This is what the Word says. All those other books are just spin-offs and are, are uh, produced, spawned by the Word of God. It's a man's opinion about what the Scriptures say. But when the Scriptures start to link together, it's very easy and very simple to understand. Did you want to say something, Alex? Right. Yeah, you'll run into a lot of people who don't want to get baptized. Mm -hmm. You're right. What he said, if you weren't here, if you're on the internet and you're a thousand miles away maybe you had a hard time hearing Alex so I will tell him what he said he said a lot of churches will say before they baptize somebody that this is just a public confession of your faith that it is not necessary for salvation right but when you look at the book of Acts it you know I, I don't I don't know why it's so hard for people to to get baptized if you go to Matthew or not Matthew um, Catherine you want to do some work today okay um, do I have any more slides left is that my last slide that's my last one okay I'll read this and then I want to go to uh, Mark chapter 15 16 or 16 15 John chapter 3 verse 5 this is what Jesus says here and this is just summarizing everything then we're going to get back to Alex's comment Jesus answered I assure you most solemnly I tell you unless a man is born of water and even the spirit he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God now that's pretty hard I've been in classes and taught this and somebody bring up what about the people who just believe and accept the Lord and I say well John 3 5 says if you don't do water and spirit you can't even get in the kingdom so they say that's another good one so the amniotic fluid when you're born that's in the sack with you is the water birth but if that would have been the case Jesus would have already told Nicodemus you, you were born once in water so you're fine but Jesus said no because Nicodemus said can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb Jesus said, no, you're going to have to be born of water. 
And then, because if that was the case, Jesus wouldn't have given us an example of being baptized. But a lot of people, hey, listen, there are a lot of people, and probably each of us in here have experienced when you're talking to somebody about the scriptures, that they get mad at you and they get offended and they say, you telling me that my grandmother, Shirley, is not in heaven because she didn't have the Holy Ghost or she wasn't baptized? Well, how do we know? We don't even know what color hair Shirley had. She could have had orange hair on Thursday, and by Sunday she could have had bright pink. We don't know. It just depends how she felt that week. What we're saying is this is what the Word says. And Jesus said the Word would offend many. And so then he says what is born of and from the flesh is flesh, and that's physical. Physical is physical, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. That also could include the, the ambionic fluid because that's just physical. He said, marvel not, don't be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you all must be born anew from above. And really, what the underlying thing here is, okay, Catherine, you can jump to that other scripture. What the underlying situation is, is this. There's, it's a four-letter word. In the kingdom, in the church kingdom, the church world, you have four letters, okay? Let's go Mark 16, 15. I get them, always get them dyslexicized. Here, there, we have four-letter words. One is pray. One is fast. How about this one? Obey. Obedience. Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And it's a lot easier just to sacrifice an animal than it is to obey and let your pride go aside and just do what you're told. And a lot of people are not going to do that. You know, what's two things you never talk to relatives about at family reunions and holidays? Politics and religion. It's like an unseen, very understandable, everybody knows rule. If you, listen, that's right. That's a, that's a good case right there. Let me share that with those of you out there in the internet world. If, you, if, if it's really, you really want to go home, just open up a can of worms on politics or religion. Make everybody mad. You get mad, and then you can leave early. You don't even have to stay for pumpkin pie. Yep, there you go. But it's obedience. Okay, so John, or Mark 16, 15, and he told them, this is Jesus, go into all the world and preach the, gospel, the good news to everyone. All right? Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So what I'm asking, what, so it doesn't say anyone who doesn't get baptized will be condemned. It doesn't say that directly. But it does say anyone who refuses to believe and obedience spawns belief. And its belief spawns action. I may be taking a stretch here, but is he saying there without using the words, and if you don't believe and are baptized, you're going to be condemned? And then you have the crowd that says this. They say, then you're just, then you're just depending on works. You heard that? You heard that one yet? You're just depending on works. It's a work-based salvation. Because you have to work. You have to go get baptized. 
and you have to work and receive the Holy Spirit. You have to work and repent. Where Christ died for our sins and, and shed his blood on the cross, and that should be all of it. Yes, that is all of it. That fulfilled the sacrifice, but now we have to do what the, what the Word says to accept the work of the sacrifice. Is what? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the enemy in the last hour that is watering down the church, watering down churches. Churches are just becoming social clubs, you know? Let's go to the next verse. The next verse is really nice. It says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Now, remember, this is Jesus talking here. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. <laughs> that really tears people up. When Jesus said, they're going to speak in new languages. Because then they go to the next verse and they say, oh, so we're going to have to be snake handlers. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. So now, pastor, if I need to get baptized and I need to speak in tongues, receive the Holy Ghost and all that, so you can, I got to deal with poisonous snakes and, and drink Roundup? No, I wouldn't suggest drinking Roundup. I'd drink Triox first, maybe. Or what's that other one we use out here? Tramad uh, what we use? I can't remember. Diesel fuel and gasoline. That always kills everything. I'm speaking metaphorically. I was talking to my brother the other day, and he was sick, had COVID, and it ha he talked about how his coughing. His coffee didn't taste good anymore. He's 68 years old, and then he says this. He said, even siphon gas, the gas doesn't taste right anymore. And I'm like, are you you're kidding me? You're 68 years old. I did not say this to him, but I, I, in the back of my mind, you are 68 years old, and you're still sucking on gas? Do you not have enough money to just fill the tank of everything and just forget it? Yeah, even the gas siphon don't taste right anymore. Oh, my. My goodness. So they try to discredit the, first, the other scripture, verse number uh, 17, with verse 18. Well, then I'm supposed to handle the snakes, and I'm supposed to drink poison. But you, you see all the way through scripture, that pattern is set, water and spirit, water and spirit, water and spirit, water and spirit. And then to top it all off, I don't have this one uh, in this bunch of slides, but you've seen it before, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, where Paul talks about the gospel. And he's telling the Corinthians, he said, this is what I preached, this is what you believed, and this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, right? What else? Died for our sins, was buried, raised again, third day. How about that? There it is. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. He was buried... Raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. We are followers. We are believers and we are imitators of Christ. We follow Christ and his pattern was death, burial, resurrection. And our pattern is death, burial, resurrection. And so this is the skeletal system. This is the studs, the floor joists, the rafters of the gospel and being born again. Amen? Anything else?
before we let you loose because I have one minute and I'm done I'm not trying to borrow time from Clark not mentioning any names Ginger I mean people who do want to always borrow time poor Ginger pray for Ginger she's getting better she's been fighting bronchitis okay so let's all stand I'm going to give you a few minutes to just stretch a little bit you know where the bathrooms are at, right? Water fountain. All right, let you go. Thank you for being so attentive. Let me go over here and apologize to Johnny when I made him mad. <laughs>